Fifth Step podcast. Um, today, I'm going to be talking to Fifth Step CEO Darren Ray about a new report called uh, Building the Future at Lloyd's. Uh, the look, no, report uh, a prospectus states that uh, the Lloyd's of London market uh, is now going to be uh, nimbler and faster. Um, so, Darren, you know, why have they decided they need to change now? Well, I guess for our listeners, Chris, it's worth um, just mentioning, whilst this sounds as if it's going to be all exclusively about Lloyds of London and the insurance market, actually what we're going to be talking about here is lessons in um, how to ensure that your organisation remains relevant in a changing world. And you know, Lloyds has been around for 330 years, so it's still learning and it's still developing and it's always adapting to the market. So, so I think that partly goes towards the question, uh, Chris, uh, to be perfectly honest, that they want to become nimbler, they want to become more agile, and in this highly uh, technological and innovation-orientated world, they're not really making those steps in you know, in large amounts. doesn't mean that some members of the market or indeed parts of Lloyd's aren't being innovative, but there's not enough of it and it's not consolidated or not a consolidated effort um, and it needs more. So it needs to be more so. It's not just Lloyd's, I suppose. Yeah, there are other vertical markets out there where you know, they're facing sort of, you know, rapidly evolving business and risk environments, aren't they? So a lot of it. Now, uh, there's a lot of talk about focusing on the customer. I mean, what does that mean? Yeah, well, I mean, a customer-centric business is is you know one of the first lessons you learn as um, you know being a business person. Your customer is king, as the, as the saying goes. So you must be able to understand a what your customer wants, what they demand, how they're going to react, and uh, how their needs are changing. And if you can continue to satisfy those, then you continue to be in business and you continue to differentiate yourself from. Your, you know, your, your potential competitors, mm. but it's um, it's a real challenge for organisations to do this. And one of the challenges that I think Lloyd's faces in particular is that it wants to lead from the front. Now that has very different connotations in today's world than it did perhaps fifty years ago, where organisations of you know, types of, that you know that Lloyd's is one of. Um, very much needed to lead from the front. We're in a far more collaborative environment now where technology enables and empowers that collaboration in a far greater way than 50 years ago. So I'm really, uh, I'm always concerned when I see you know, documents like this one that we're looking at here, Chris, where they talk about things and they make statements uh, that say it's time for Lloyds to lead from the front. Mm. Um, you know, to me, I think that needs to be um, a little bit um, softer, softer, and they really need to be in, empowering and enabling their market to lead from the front rather than Lloyd's as an entity leading from the front. So, you know, what are the sort of ways that they, they could change? Well, I think the key aspects are that, you know, the ones that they particularly draw upon, and there's, uh, there are numerous, but, um, you know, they're identifying the fact that they want simpler processes for accessing products and services, at Lloyd's, and they need to reduce the costs of doing business at Lloyd's. Now, all of those are great, but you know the key aspects around that is they really need to be uh, doing business process optimization for a three hundred and thirty year old market. And of course, there is technology, and I'm not saying that it's backward in that respect, but the processes and the way of processing information is very much orientated to the historical ways of processing this business. And actually, you know, if you took away the 
um, the technology, um, the use of the technology, you could almost bring someone uh, you know, forward from the 1700s and they'd be able to sit down at a box at Lloyd's and conduct business in pretty much the same way as they are today. Yeah, that would be quite an interesting uh, thing to see. That would make for quite a good movie, wouldn't it, really? Well, yeah, I'm sure there's better uses for a time machine, but uh, you know, seeing the look on underwriters' faces is um, you know, perhaps a, a valid use. Well, they've talked in, uh, in the report about uh, sharing risk to create a, a braver world. Um, I'm not sure what they mean by that. I suppose it's you know, something along, along the lines of all this is Huxley's Brave New World, which, uh, which I've read many, many moons ago, but... Uh, I mean, what, what do you think they, they actually they're, they're trying to say? Well, uh, an organisation I used to work for um, many years ago, uh, an insurance company, a large American insurance company called Ace, um, they had a great strapline for a number of years um, that said, basically, you know, Ace, take away the risk and what could your business achieve? I think they perhaps said it a little bit snappier than that, but it's take away the, the risk and you can achieve anything, something along those lines. And I think that's pretty much what they're saying is that Lloyd's as a market is there to enable a braver world and a, a world where uh, risk is reduced, or at least financial risk is reduced. Hmm. And they've talked about creating, you know, uh, syndicate inbox solutions and streamlining opportunities for innovators. Are, are, they, are they doing that, do you think? Uh, look, I think they have the ambition to do that, but you know, going back to my point about what it means for Lloyd's to lead from the front, I think they need to learn some lessons from the open source movement in in, you know, in IT and particularly in software, where great things were have been created through the the creation of standards and then the enablement and empowerment of of the market, if you like, in this case, to go out and actually do their job and to do what they are good at. My concern here is that Lloyd's is going to, once again, create a syndicate-in-a-box type approach that is that they are going to write, they are going to build, they're going to be responsible for end-to-end -end with the market paying for it and having to implement it. And my concerns are that this has failed a number of times before and you know, there are a number of rumours about the, the current incarnation of that, whether that's going to um, continue, and we won't add any credence or judgment on those rumours whilst they're still rumours. But with that being the case, you know, a lot of money's been pump, pumped into the most recent um, iteration of, the, uh, of, of this change. You know, um, figures of uh, about £350 million, which is, you know, a staggering amount of money over the last couple of years, have been uh, pumped into this market uh, to make these changes. To my mind, the standards need to be set, the ambition needs to be set, and the market empowered to actually go and pay for this itself to the betterment of the market as a whole and to the enhancement of the individual elements of the market on the basis of how quickly they adopt and how creatively they can implement the standards and the ways of processing the information that Lloyd's is advocating and uh, enabling. In that way, I think we'll get to a more open source um, approach to this. Well, that, that would lend itself to you know, the, the, the state today in creating an ecosystem. Or ecosystem. Or even ecosystem. Whichever way you prefer. <laughs> I'll, 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 go, I'll go with you. <laughs> go, e ecosystem. An ecosystem of services that helps all market participants. But that, that sort of uh, structure it's got sort of lends itself to that sort of open source approach in many ways. Uh, it absolutely does from my perspective, yeah. I think, you know, if you look at um, organisations who have developed an ecosystem, I guess one of the 
the easiest to reference is um, Apple. And you know, no matter what your uh, views are on uh, Apple, whether you're an Apple fanboy or girl, or whether um, you're an Apple hater, it doesn't really matter. You have to admire the fact that you know a Apple have managed to create an ecosystem where you know, people buy their computer hardware or the telephones or their tablets, and then they go on to buy um, apps and uh, games and whatever else from the App Store. Mm. And I think that, that creation of that ecosystem is something where Lloyd's really could thrive. And if there's one thing that um, I'm really encouraged by um, in this document is that Lloyd's are talking about the potential of an ecosystem, even though it's you know item number five on the list and it doesn't receive anywhere near the attention of some of the other um, items on the list. Mm. I mean, they've talked about, you know, talking more widely than Lloyd's, I mean, let's forget, I mean, Lloyd's is a huge market, it's a 33 billion you know, GWP market, or you know, premium market, but it's only a small part of the global sort of insurance industry. Um, mm. I mean, looking more widely, what are the new, new challenges and opportunities for the insurance industry? Well, I think that those really um, echo what we're talking about in terms of the changing needs of the customer and, you know, putting things putting the customer at the centre of the uh, the discussion and understanding their needs is really where Lloyd's needs to be. But one thing's for sure, whatever the customer's needs are, um, they're going to have less patience, they're going to need it done faster, and they're going to need it and want it done cheaply. They're not going to want to pay uh, for you know people to be running physically running around the market to have discussions in uh, you know pubs and cafes um, as you know as the market has done historically they're going to want this business trans transacted as quickly and efficiently as possible some of that may be face to face communication of course but a lot more of it is probably going to be electronically traded mm. and I think that's one of the the new aspects it also opens and broadens the market to new geographies a lot more easily mm. and um, you know reduces the limitations of you know time span and or time zones and geography um, you know where those things are a, a concern or a problem then I think that's going to be um, you know these markets going to open up and be exposed to or have access to Lloyd's in a whole new way if they can actually achieve uh, those ambitions. I mean, the, the, the velocity or pace of change is, is speeding up all the time. And looking in a, in a sort of more sort of holistic, um, uh, I suppose, sort of way, I mean, there are new types of you know, tangible, intangible assets out there. I mean, I think I saw a report recently where, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you had, you know, the, the automobile makers or GE were in the top five companies. You know, mm. uh, and you look at it now, you know, 80% of the world's assets are almost in, are intangible. They're being, sort of, you know, they're run by the likes of Facebook, Google, Amazon. Yep. So, you know, we, you need a much more uh, up-to-speed technology, don't you, or digital, uh, digital technology to cope with this digital transformation. You do, and you also need a workforce who is digitally aware and digitally astute and, you know, dare I say, a digital native. Mm. And I think one thing that Lloyd's has been particularly good at over the last, you know, 330 years is being relatively innovative around their underwriting capabilities and practices and understanding how you know a customer's needs can be reflected by an insurance product you know i think they have been innovative in that way and they need to continue to be but assuming that they are the experts in all of the areas that surround and are peripheral to the actual insurance product i think is a is a step too far these days most organizations have moved away from that accepting instead that they can be the experts within their core areas of expertise yeah. and limiting themselves to that and then 
you know, outsourcing or working with partners or whatever the right model is for that particular organisation to achieve the, uh, the benefits of uh, you know, using technology or building innovation. And, and that's how we work with a number of our customers, of course. And coming back to people, I mean, there was, um, I was looking at another report produced by the Lloyd's Market Association, the claims team produced by Lee Elliston. Um, and they're talking about the future of claims um, within the Lloyd's Market. They're talking about new types of uh, bionic claims adjusters, um, okay. which uh, took me way back to the to 90s. Steve Austin, Steve Austin of course. <laughs> Uh, when I forgot one, there was actually a bionic woman too um, in the late seventies. Oh yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Lindsay, yeah. Lindsay Wagner. Oh, that's right. Yes, you're right. Yeah, I'd forgotten her name, but yes, you're quite right. Yeah. But um, it just made, made me think. You know, these types of new bionic claims just that that's going to what they're talking about is um, augmenting people's skills. So it's not necessarily using technology to replace them, but to uh, to help them to free them up, make them more flexible to focus on more complex types of risk. Yeah. leave all the, the easy stuff to be automated. Is that something that you know, you've been involved with and helping people to do? Absolutely. That is, you know, that's uh, the stage one process, really, of, uh, you know, beyond um, the traditional business process optimization, where you start to move into business process automation. Um, you know, one of the key aspects there is being able to automate that and then being able to decide at what part, part and point the... Um, you know, the human in this uh, process is is best placed. Mm. Um, historically, of course, you know, humans would have been, you know touched the paper from beginning to end and dealt with the entire process. Uh, today, machines um, influence and help and guide people through that process. And as we go further into the future and adopt machine learning and artificial intelligence more within these business processes, then machines will take you know a bigger part and play a bigger part in that process. Um, so very much, we should be looking at where um, where IT can help augment the capabilities of an individuals. Uh, and one of the things we say within Fifth Step, or a term that we use within Fifth Step, is how we magnify the capabilities mm. of our people, whether that be through the use of experts and providing expertise for clients. It's one of the things our, our clients are always telling us, that one of their favourite things about working with us is that we provide the right level of expertise for them and to them um, for their process. So we'll provide someone with the right level of business process automation capabilities for that kind of uh, project, for example. So it's about providing the right people, but it's also about providing the right technology and leveraging that. What about, though, if you're, say, um, it could be a, a head of claims or a, you know, a senior underwriter, but all the way down to a junior claims handler or a junior, you know, an underwriter who's just cutting his teeth, just gone onto the bot uh, at Lloyd's, um, how how would you, you know, would you be able to give any advice to someone to want to a person like that about how they can upskill, you know, learn about how technology, um, you know, what kind of technological skills they need to uh, add to their CV to help them, you know, what, yep. survive in the market 10, 15, 20 years down the line? Well, I think the key aspects there is, uh, you know, if, if you're a, an individual working in, in uh, claims, to use your example there, Chris, uh, you know, the technology is pretty much going to mould to the individual, increasingly mould to the individual. You know, we're seeing this in the, um, you know, the domestic environment where we've got things like um, you know, Amazon Echo, not to say the name in case someone's listening to us on one of those devices, or you know, on the iPhone you've got Siri and obviously you've got the Google Assistant as well. So all of those assistants are embodiments, if you like, of the early stages of machines bending their user interface to people and mm. actually start to communicate with people more 
uh, in a more user-friendly way. You know, the, the green, green screen and the flashing cursor seem a million miles away from those kinds of devices and interfaces. So the, the best advice I can have for someone working in claims is actually, you know, choose an area that is going to be very difficult for machine learning to, uh, to deal with. So that may be more complex um, cases. I'm not a claims expert, so I can't uh, you know, give direct advice on that. But look at areas where machine learning isn't making those inroads. You know, we've spoken before on the podcast. Perhaps remember there was a uh, Japanese life um, company that replaced uh, was it About thirty? 30 or, or yeah, thirty percent or something like that. Their thirty or thirty percent, I think it was, of their of their claims team um, using IBM Watson. Mm. So I, you know, the worst job in the world, I suspect, is going to be you know being the the next 30% of those people because, um, you know, Watson will be gathering the information and gathering the uh, the experience now to replace the next 30%. Well, it's, it's moving out of that sort of 30% commoditized or, yeah. or layer that's being commoditized and uh, moving into areas which is actually quite a neat segue in a way because uh, we've sort of moved into, you were talking about potential cyber risk there, aren't we? You know, mm. when, when we're talking about Siri or Amazon or whatever, there's always a fear that they could, they could be disrupted in some way mm. by, by a hack. Uh, and that sort of leads into this new area of, say, cyber risk, which is probably an area that maybe whether it's a, an underwriter or a claims adjuster might want to get into, because that is going to be highly complex. Loads of intangible assets trying to work out, you know, what kind of claims coverage or, you know, is going to be needed to ensure that you know, people are insured correctly. Um, yeah, it, it's likely to be complex. There's likely to be many moving parts to it. Um, you know, the the piece that really caught my eye um, in this document, though, was that Lloyd's are estimating that the total uh, estimated coverage for um, cyber mass vulnerable, vulnerability scenarios was $31 billion, mm. um, of which they believe that only $2 billion were covered. So there's a massive shortfall there, $29 billion worth of shortfall uh, between the exposure and uh, and the coverage. And now I think there's a, a massive aspect and, you know, cyber insurance is a, is a big deal and, a, and a, you know, something that's increasingly being bought, but also being tightened as well. But I also think that that's an area that demonstrates organisations need to continue to take their cyber exposure um, you know, very seriously indeed, and they ought to be, need to be, doing some of the things we've spoken about on this podcast and looking at, you know, where their exposures are. You know, working with organisations. If it's not fifth step, and um, then work with someone else, but work with someone uh, to actually get yourself um, to be protected because these threats are only getting more complicated. And I guarantee you that, you know, Lloyd's, if uh, Lloyd's would do this to were to do the same survey again in another year or two years' time, I guarantee that that number will be, be bigger than $31 billion. So it's not going away, so do something about it and work with um, you know, someone like Fifth Step who can actually help you protect yourselves, whether you're an insurance organisation or indeed um, you know, any kind of organisation, the threat doesn't go away and the risk is there. And it's also about, the report mentions uh, you know, aligning products and services better to meet the needs of the, of the customers. So how, how as a market can, can we help to achieve that? Aim? Yeah, and this is a recurring theme through this uh, this document, really. They, they keep talking about being customer-centric. Uh, there's no real meat on the bones within this, uh, this document. That's, to some degree, not its purpose. But to my mind, you can only achieve that through the use of 
you know, innovation, knowledge, and technology. The knowledge to a certain degree is going to be the knowledge of how to perform business process um, optimization and automation, um, but it's also going to be appropriate uh, use of technology and being innovative and you know, not, innov not innovation just from the outside, but actually learning how to be innovative on the inside, how to run innovation workshops and uh, harness and nurture the innovative capabilities that your organisation has. The Lloyd's view is that insurers need to supercharge innovation which is, uh, sounds like a very grandiose statement. But I've, I've seen other you know, people talking about adopting a, an inside-out and outside-in approach, merging those two together. I mean, yeah. you know, I don't know if, that, if that's something that you've come across. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there are many ways that you can do this and many ways that you can look at this. But, you know, when you read uh, statements like um, supercharging innovation, it's almost as if these comments were written by, um, you know, large consultancy companies, perhaps, uh, you know, you have a... Uh, uh, a word count um, yeah. a bonus or something like that you know uh, those that kind of buzzwords um, to me uh, and I guess many people who are in the industry have been around uh, the block a few times those kind of buzzwords don't really do it for me any longer um, you know supercharging innovation but what we need to do is we need to in enable and empower the market to understand a what innovation is what the business value of innovation is and that only comes through actually being innovative, running workshops, and getting an innovation pipeline created um, that starts to um, feed and nurture your business in the same way that a sales pipeline does. Because, yeah, when we're talking about the, the, the so-called big four, I mean, they've been around the market for many, many years, and the market's going through similar market cycles. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, it sometimes feels a little bit, um, you know, uh, as if... Uh, over again. Yeah, I, it feels a little bit as if the big four are playing some kind of relay race, uh, you know, with uh, you know the market being passed as the baton between them because you know one will be in favour uh, for a certain period of time and then the baton will be passed to the next one because you know they've you know wooed the market in some particular way and then there'll be uh, you know another one. But listen, the big four have a, you know have a have a good job to do and a big job to play. But I do find the sometimes you read these reports and. They've been written by you know another big four organisation, and uh, you know you can change the names, but the you know the underlying information or sentiment uh, remains pretty much the same. So there is you know it comes down to talent ultimately I believe, I believe. and you know there's there's a huge amount uh, of talent um, at Lloyd's, but there's still talk you know, people are worried that there's a, there's a shortage of that, and we we need to bring more people in across maybe a, a more diverse spectrum of, of people. Um, not necessarily whether it's through ethnicity or gender or whatever, but also I suppose it's about diversifying your own talent pool, isn't it? Oh yeah, I mean look, uh, diversity. Um, you know, there's lots of studies, there's lots of information that demonstrate that diverse or organisations, whether it be um, gender, ethnicity, geography, age, um, organisations that have a greater diversity um, have a better ability uh, to. Uh, to change and to adapt to change, and they're also more profitable. Number of articles out there about that. You know, Google that, and you'll you'll be able to find that information. But what's interesting um, here at the moment is that you know, in the insurance market specifically, there are big changes around um, you know the, the the skills gap and the age gap, and the the insurance industry itself um, is failing to attract new people. In fact. Um, you know, between 2015 and 2017, 
um, so they, between that two-year period, was actually the average age of the workforce increased by two and a half years mm. uh, within that period. Um, and it's now sitting at um, age, age 39. Now, uh, that may sound um, you know, not too bad. Just you young women's standards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. But um, the danger is that actually um, over the next you know, 10, 15 years, for sure, there's going to be a large amount of insurance knowledge is going to leave the market. And if we're not attracting you know, young people into the industry, you know, this, um, this report uh, suggests that um, young adults employed in the industry dropped from 18% to, uh, to 10% in that same period. That's amazing. That's, it that's is. That's a really shocking. It's a, yeah, I mean, it's a shocking drop. Now, the challenges are there that um, obviously we need to attract more people uh, in, in the right roles, but the only way that the industry is actually going to be able to do what it needs to do, reduce costs, um, deal with the skills shortage, and uh, deal with uh, the impending you know, loss of information and institutional and market knowledge that's going to occur over the next uh, 10 years or so, um, is to actually start looking at Yes, attracting more people, more young people into the industry, but also to look at innovation and to look at more technology. And some of those changes um, will indeed work to attract um, younger people because I think the impression and the um, opinion that many of them have of insurance is that it's not necessarily a, um, a, you know, a particularly technologically advanced uh, industry and doesn't really get social media and things like that. Mm. So it makes it a little bit difficult for those uh, digital natives to come into the market and then um, understand that they're still moving pieces of paper around very often. Yeah, and there's a, and I, I was certainly in the UK um, and other sectors, and there's always an issue of like that productivity. We seem to be lagging behind other countries around the world, certainly in Europe. You know, in, if you look at Germany, France, Italy, yeah. we're behind them. Uh, and technology's got a real role to play in that regard, obviously. Yeah, I, I'm sometimes a little bit sceptical about some of those, um, some of those um, studies because I'm not always convinced that they're done on the same basis. But taking it at face value and uh, assuming that they are, um, of course, um, what that means is we need to um, you know, increase efficiency. Of course, every business wants to do that. And there are a number of ways of doing that. But business process optimization, business process automation, use of innovation... Um, and use of technology are some of the key ways that um, the organisations ought to be doing that, and some of the key ways that FitStep can help you do that too. I mean, the Lloyd's report towards the end talks about how, how the Lloyd's market has to lead the chart, uh, lead, lead the change. Um, talks about a once in a generation opportunity, but is there a danger of maybe that they're putting the, the, the cart before the horse? Do you think? I, I think that really goes back to what I was saying a little bit earlier on in terms of. The definition of leadership, I think, has changed over the last 50 years, and I think Lloyd's is very much, um, you know, dealing with the, uh, I don't know, uh, leading from the front kind of uh, mentality rather than working more collaboratively. So I think Lloyd's needs to set the standards, they need to set the, sta the, um, set the, stra the strategy and the standards, and then they just need to empower the market. And what we'll see from there is actually... Um, the the creation of the ecosystem and the take up of the ecosystem, and I think that will that will be the biggest change and the greatest way that Lloyd's could change and evolve. And they're talking about you know making risk transfer more efficient, reducing the cost of buying insurance. Is is, is there more to be done than that? 
Yeah, the, the, this is a this is a staggering figure, really. When you're talking about um, you know the operating uh, expenses of uh, you know of an organisation, um, you know within Lloyd's, um, you know running at around about the forty percent mark, um, you know thirty nine percent in twenty seventeen. You know there, there's some massive overheads, and I think there's uh, you know a consolidated approach needs to be taken, or a concerted effort needs to be made to reduce costs. But they they you know you don't you don't cut to grow you know so you need to be looking at the, how money can be saved and how things can be um you know how costs can be reduced you know some of the ways that we've spoken about before on uh, on this podcast chris mm. you know if you remember some of the things we've spoken about um you know one example that springs to my mind is the number of legacy systems that are still being operated in the market and the actual cost of running those yes it costs to upgrade systems but the one thing that many organizations overlook and it's easily overlooked because it's just the cost of doing business that has been for the last few years. But the cost of actually running those legacy systems, both in efficiency, in the ability to adopt new business models, and also the increasing support costs. Because if it is a truly legacy system, then you've perhaps got a vendor who's charging a premium for the ongoing support of that. There's a, a chart in the report which explains that the you know, lawyer's expense ratio have remained broadly unchanged since 1990, but actually they've, they've deteriorated unbelievably. I mean, mm. in 1990 they were 40%, uh, 2017 the last figure was 39%. I find, I find that, again, a staggering sort of indictment. Well, if you think about the amount of technology that's been introduced or been made available, um, and you look at how other markets have been disrupted by technology in that time, you know, if you look at the um, you know, the, uh, well, if you look at a very obvious example, you know, Uber, for example, it's far, mm. um, you know, far cheaper to use uh, Uber for a number of reasons, but the technology empowers and enables that. And the innovation that took place around that capability is something that, you know, that organisation has brought to that market. Um, there's no reason why Lloyd's can't, you know, achieve similar um, well, it did. Actually, the thing it, Philip, it must have done because in 2004, the expense ratio was 32%. I mm. mean, can you? you know, I can't put, put, putting you on the spot, really. You know, it's, it's saying why that white would have gone down from you know 40% in 1990 to 2000, then to 32% 2004, then spiked again. But was you know, I, I can't, I can't the internet things maybe coming in around 2004 might have led to that maybe led more to more. No, that's Internet of Things in 2004, but um. You know, I'm not entirely. I'm not entirely sure. I can't recall um, anything occurring in the in the market at that point in time that could have resulted in that particular um, loss. And I don't think it's referenced at all within this document, at least uh, from my recollection. So yeah. it's one of those things. But you know, certainly the market has to reduce its cost base, and that's only going to be achieved by you know a consolidated um, approach to cost cutting and using technology and innovation. Um, you know, along with the other things I've already mentioned, such as business process improvement and optimization and automation. All right, so if we were going to summarise um, today's uh, conversation, um, you know, what would you, you know, what would you say is going to make things easy and cheaper to do business uh, to innovative lawyers? Yeah, well, I mean, the lawyers document references uh, you know a few aspects around that. And they're talking about you know a, a platform for for complex risk. Whether it's a platform or whether it's a marketplace, um, you know, uh, that may be just a semantics of language. But I think the, um, you know, the underlying aspect of that is there's going to be a, some way and means of um, understanding what risks are out there to be placed and being able to communicate those and to be able to trade 
those uh, those risks and um, uh, underwrite those risks. So I think you know that's going to be a big one. And in terms of, uh, they also they talk about the Lloyd's Risk Exchange as well. Yeah, I think that's really coming into that platform piece in terms of being able to um, you know, understand the risks that are out there, being able to um, deal with the claims that are coming off of that and being able to um, you know, uh, improve the process all the way around. Capital efficiency is another key issue, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think um, in my experience, that's an area that's been uh, pretty well underserved in terms of its uh, reporting um, and management capabilities from the market um, with each of the syndicates having to create their own solution to that. It'd be great to see a, a far better um, you know, standard around that kind of uh, management and uh, assistance to the capital uh, providers. Uh, and following on from that, the, the whole conversation about creating a syndicate in a box? Yeah, um, I'm not convinced about this, I, uh, to be honest. I think it's a, a good idea and it's something that um, you know, Fifth Step um, was, uh, worked with an organisation um, on about um, seven years ago now. So, uh, you know, I see the merits of it, I, I genuinely do, but I, I suspect the market may have moved on a little bit. But what I think is probably a better solution is defining what the requirements are for a syndicate in the box and let the market actually serve the need. Um, if Lloyd's is actually going to go out and create this syndicate in a box, I, I think it will become, you know, too, may become too one-dimensional. Yeah. Uh, next generation claims service, service. I mean, there's lots of people out there trying to you know, find the next big thing in claims. Uh, uh, there are. Um, yeah, Fistep's working with um, uh, with some of those organisations as well, as you know, Chris. So, Bold statements being made. Yeah, well, yeah, well look, uh, you know, claims is an interesting area. And you know, at the end of the day, it is the it is the product that we buy. You know, the insurance product is actually only as good as its claim, its ability to pay claims. So, um, you know, organisations or individuals who buy insurance products want uh, you know a fast and efficient claim system. Bless you. And then finally, you know, let's, get, let's return to you know, the ecosystem. What do we need to do to help you know, foster this this collaboration in the market? Is there someone who could be specifically tasked within, you know, uh, an individual managing agent or a syndicate to help you know, create that ecosystem? Well, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I mean, this, you know, the creation of an ecosystem isn't just something that happens overnight. It needs a lot of work, and it needs, you know, planning and forethought to be able to do that. Um, what there isn't enough of within this within this document is actually. Um, you know, the demonstration of, uh, of a good understanding of what the Lloyd's ecosystem might actually look like or what it consists of today, uh, to be perfectly honest. But having, you know, having acknowledged that and knowing, knowing that from my own personal um, knowledge and experience, I think that the ecosystem uh, play is a very strong one for, uh, for Lloyd's because they can actually help define that and um, start to build the tools and the standards around some of that um, not in the same way that they have done before, where they're demanding that everyone use or contribute, um, you know, large sums of money to their, um, you know, their, their latest innovation and project, um, but actually by defining the standards. Mm. And I think that's the, the the key aspect. If you do that, um, then the market will actually respond in a, you know, in a far more innovative way. Otherwise, it, you're sort of spoon feeding the market, and you're you know you're expecting the market to do as you say and to react in the way that you want them to react. And um, you know when they're um, handing over large amounts of cash, that can be a a, a difficult tightrope to walk where you're trying to continue to guide them to spend their money in the way that you want them to do so. 
Okay, well, thanks for talking us through that, Darren. It's uh, interesting stuff there. I mean, I think if anyone's uh, interested in uh, reading that report, um, the future future of Lloyd's, it's probably worth letting them know that you know, just go to the www.lloyds.com uh, website and you can find it. You know, type in there, future of Lloyd's comes up uh, pretty much uh, right up there on, on the home page. Uh, and in terms of our, our own uh, thought leadership, um, we'll, you know, we're writing these kinds of um, articles and posting blogs and, uh, and videos on, on YouTube all the time. So you can download those, read them, view them, listen to them um, at www.fifthstep.com. That's F-I-F-T-H-S-T-E-P.com. And we've got various other conduits and distribution channels that we send our full leadership out to. So, yeah, uh, LinkedIn, LinkedIn. Um, is probably the, uh, the biggest one. We also are active on Twitter as well. Um, you're posting information out um, on there. So, yeah, do reach out to us on LinkedIn. And, um, yeah, uh, I think you'll find some interesting things if you uh, visit uh, the Fist Step website as well. Okay, great stuff. Thanks again, Darren. Thanks, Chris.